Hello, friends. My name is Josh Yates, and I'm the executive director of the Orman Center at Duke Divinity School. Welcome to the Call to Shalom, where we seek to activate agents of thriving through storytelling. Guided by the mandate named in Jeremiah 29.7, Seek the Shalom of the City Where I Have Called You, Call to Shalom is a series of conversations about what it means and takes to be agents of true thriving in particular fields, communities, and in this cultural moment. The series will bring together a wide range of doers and thinkers to share how their own vocational and personal journeys have sought to answer this biblical call. We hope their stories will inspire and equip you to seek shalom in your own life, field, and community. In this episode, I'm joined by Dr. Dave Cresta and Pastor Barry Randolph. Dave is the author of Jesus on Main Street, Good News Through Community Economic Development. He spends his time teaching community and economic development at Portland State and serving as a fellow with us at the Orman Center. Pastor Barry serves as head priest at Church of the Messiah in Detroit, Michigan. His visionary leadership of this small, urban, interracial Episcopal church and its truly remarkable ministries to its neighbors in the city has led him to be recognized as the 2019 Michiganian of the Year. In this conversation, we range widely about the role local churches can play, not just as places of worship, but as engines for community and economic development as a means of pursuing the call to shalom. This is one of those beautiful, inspiring, paradigm-shifting conversations you'll not want to miss. As always, full biographies and other resources that came up in our discussion are included in our show notes. So let's let's start with uh, the question, how do you two know each other? Well, so I, I can start on that. Um, I reached out to Pastor Barry because I found out about the Churches of the Messiah as I was doing research for uh, Jesus on Main Street. So um, I was looking for churches that really took on a lot of the principles that I laid out in the book and um, kind of took a holistic view of how to engage with their community. Um, so that's how I that's how I came upon Pastor Barry. It was super exciting to realize that it was actually in Detroit, my hometown um, as well. So um, we have yet to meet in um, in the flesh. So I look forward to that. Um, we'll be doing that hopefully uh, this fall at the CCDA conference. Fantastic. Pastor Barry, uh, I'm learning a lot about the Church of Messiah. And I have to say, it is uh, a, one incredible story after another. Um, what makes the Church of the Messiah so different and unique in your view? Um, I think what makes Church of the Messiah unique is the fact that it puts its faith where its mouth is. Uh, Church of the Messiah has a long-standing history of being able to be community. Um, I know a lot of churches always say we have to get out into the community, make a difference in the community. Um, church of the Messiah is the community. So uh, our church is 147 years old, and it's been uh, on East Grand Boulevard in Lafayette and Detroit for 120 years. And over those years, we've connected directly to the community and neighborhood. And that is done through everything from um, affordable housing. We have 213 units of housing, uh, a business incubation center, um, a marching band. We provide the internet. Um, we also have an employment office and a doctor's office. 
So there's a lot of reasons to be able to use those services. But I think the greatest thing that we do, the greatest thing that we do is um, also church. We have a unique church service that's geared towards the unchurched or people who are seeking. And I think that's what makes us just a little bit unusual. And it's geared towards um, especially bringing in young people in particular. Yeah, I mean, that's tremendous. Um, but I'm assuming you didn't start out with all of that right out of the gate. No, uh, by no <laughs> means. Um, Tell us a little bit about how this whole thing got going. Yeah, so the housing component, we've been doing that uh, since 1978. So that's something that um, existed for quite a long time. Um, church of the Messiah is in the city of Detroit. Uh, we are an old church. And we, we've been dealing with all of the issues of Detroit. Um, things like working on issues of poverty, uh, crime and violence, um, economics, all those different things. And it's one of those things where um, we have to kind of deal with all of that and at the same time be church. Well, as things changed over the years, the church also too, like so many things in Detroit, the church fell on hard times. By the time I became the priest uh, in 2002, we were down 41 people on average a Sunday. We have a huge building. It looks like it looked like we weren't going to be here. I mean, we were in even in conversations talking about what would happen if we closed the church. Um, but God gave me a vision and he gave me an idea. As you can kind of tell, uh, I think you can tell um, I'm an unusual. I'm a very unusual Episcopal priest. Uh, I kind of don't fit the mold of that. Um, so that uniqueness, I think, is one of the things that God used to be able to help us uh, turn things around. He gave me a plan, and we started implementing the plan. And one of the first things we did was uh, created a 12 o'clock service that was totally different than the traditional 10 o'clock service. And then we started working on provide, helping people with their physical needs, with the things they needed, whether that was a job, starting a business, providing the internet to the community. 40% of Detroit don't have the internet. Uh, bringing in doctors, working on issues of gun violence, things like that. That's what really helped cause the church to grow. That combined with a creative service, and when I say creative, I mean really a creative service on Sunday, uh, to help people get to their greatness, to teach them about the power that's on the inside of them. Yeah. Well, let's come back to that creative bit in a second, but you talk about God gave you a plan. I'm assuming that he did, that plan wasn't all there at once, right at the start. So I think for, for people who are listening and thinking, wow, you're doing all this incredible stuff, you know, think back to those early days as you were, as you were first beginning to have an inkling of what God's plan was. And, and how did you, what, what came first and, and what were you struggling with as you were trying to discern God's will for this? Yeah, well, when God called me, I literally had a burning bush experience. I was not, I wasn't a very religious person. I wasn't, uh, I wouldn't look into be a priest or anything like that. I had a burning bush experience on October 20th, 1998, face down on my floor and God literally spoke to me and said great hmm. things would happen at the church, but it was not me. It was him and I am just the instrument. So follow his lead. And you have to remember that a lot of times when God called you, he may not necessarily tell your board of directors or he may not necessarily tell the other people that he's going to be doing these things. And so um, it was a struggle. But one of the things that we started off with is how are we going to do our future? How do we 
prevent the church from closing. We got to get out of debt and we need to grow it. Our church can easily hold 300 people. And we only had about a little more than a tenth of what it is that we could hold. There is something wrong here. So in my opinion, it was one of those things where we're not connecting and relating to the community that we're in. How do we go about relating to the people in the community? And one of the things that I definitely learned from Jesus, a lot of times, some of the people just didn't follow him because he was this great preacher. They followed him because he was literally taking care of their physical needs also. So it's a thing of how do we bring about healing, healing of gun violence, healing of poverty, healing of illiteracy. How do we work on that? So it was actually having things like after school programs, helping the kids to be able to get into college, being able to uh, turn the church into a business incubation center. That's how we really did it. The people started coming in and seeing, wow, this is amazing, and got curious and started going to church. So we did the programming first for the most part, and then that helped them transfer over into church. The thing that I had to do that was a little bit hard was when they came to our traditional 10 o'clock service, they couldn't relate to that. Mm. We're an Episcopal church in the hood in Detroit. And it was like, that was hard for them to relate to. So we created a secret service with the um, skeleton of the original service, but made it a little bit more user-friendly and it worked and it took, and it really took off. So it happened, yeah, over over the years and it happened, it happened in pieces. Now, one of the things that helped when we started that new service, um, the church went from 41 people to a hundred in less than six months. And then it doubled the following year. So we knew, whoop, we got members. So <laughs> we got enough people that we may be able to pull some things off, but we had more new people than old people. And the new people that were coming in really was the, the gangbangers, the Ray Rays and the Pookies, as we call them in Detroit. Those were the ones who came first. It was not professional people. It was not people with money. It was people with issues and problems who wanted to know about this Jesus Christ being able to help them. And they heard about this church that can provide resources to get them out of poverty. And that's how it began to happen. So I want to ask you one more question before we turn to Dave. And that is, what's, what has surprised you most about this ministry and your time in it? Uh, God has got a wonderful sense of humor. And uh, following him is like an episode of The Twilight Zone. <laughs> it looks like it's going to go in a certain direction. And it turns out to be something totally different. What I found out is, in particular, with young people, um, they don't reject God. They reject the package that the church put God in. So it was a thing of giving them the package of Jesus Christ, the gift of Jesus Christ, the gift of the church, um, and then putting it in a user-friendly service, understanding the issues of the community. Um, and I think when we did that, what surprised me was that they showed up, they came in, they participated, and now they are some of the leaders that's going to continue this church when I'm gone. Mm. And that kind of surprised me. Yeah, yeah. So good. Dave, you're somebody who has studied and in many ways chronicled many examples of, of Pastor Barry in different contexts in different places. Um, but as you think of this, of his particular case, in the case of the Church of the Messiah, as somebody who studies this kind of work, what do you see? What what excites you uh, and, and what do you think is commendable to others? Yeah, um, well, I could listen to Barry um, 
all day. I mean, I think he's got the stories and the and the experience that shows that um, you know God shows up. God's in these neighborhoods. I think that's what I see is that God is in these neighborhoods already. And I love it, Pastor Barry, where you said uh, he may call you, but not necessarily your board of directors. That's a, <laughs> you got to turn that one into a T-shirt or something. Um, yeah, I, I, I was really drawn to his story and chronicled just a very small part of it in my book um, because it's holistic. I mean, there's no boundaries in terms of where, you know, God wants to heal the earth and heal and renew his creation. There are no boundaries, but we we put boundaries up. You know, we, we say these are things that the church can do. These are things that the church can't do. This is stuff for government. This is stuff for private business. Um, so to me, that's really what's intriguing is, you know, he mentioned internet service. Um, is that something a church does? Yeah, apparently it is. And it, because the community needs it and it helps bring some of that shalom to that community. Um, so those are the things that I see is kind of that boundary busting and um, willingness to go where God is already walking. Yeah, that's great. Um, maybe just give us a few more seconds of of unpacking. Do you how do you see other examples of Pastor Berries around the country? What is this is this some is this something that is a an awakening among different folks in different communities? Uh, or is it something that you think needs to be woken up in the church? Yeah, so I mean, certainly we recognize that, you know, the church has historically been a presence in neighborhoods for centuries in America and for millennia. Um, there's been a lot of excellent community development work. Um, there's been a lot of nonprofits that have spawned from churches. So I don't I, I can't say that this is something brand new, but what I do see maybe is more of an awakening to um, to taking on things that maybe have traditionally been thought of as outside the purview of a church. So you know, workforce development um, or business incubation, things that um, really have the potential to impact residents daily lives in a very practical way like you know where what kind of job do you have um or where can you shop in your neighborhood um you know is there is it a food desert or a food oasis um so i think there's a lot of that going on i think a lot of churches have taken steps in this direction um, by offering pieces of what is needed in communities. So you may find one church that offers workforce development. You may find another church that offers um, maybe some co-working space. I think maybe a new frontier is how can we think holistically about the local economy, um, think about it strategically, and think about it in partnership with other actors that are already in the community as well. And, and Barry didn't even touch on that, but I'm sure you know he's got lots of stories about who he's working with in the neighborhood. It's not um, it's not just you know his own church that's doing it. Well let's let's actually go there, uh, Pastor Barry. I mean you're you're one guy who's clearly uh, got a lot of energy and a lot of talent. Um, but tell us about uh, the the how you've partnered and who you've partnered with to pull all these various things off? Oh yeah, we partner with a lot. Uh, what's funny is I always tell everybody that um, 
no, no one man is an island. You don't do anything by yourself. Uh, even Jesus Christ, being the son of God, as soon as he started his ministry, he assembled a team. They may not have been the brightest and the best in the beginning, but he assembled his team and they went about doing the work. So um, it's about teamwork and people working together. So um, the people in the church work with a lot of other people in the community and neighborhood. Uh, we created an organization back in 2013 that's called Five Alive. Uh, we're in District 5 in Detroit. That's our city council district. That's, you know, the part of the city that we work in. We put all of the 501c3s, the churches, the block clubs. Um, we gave us one voice within one group, within one organization. And from that, we work with our city council person. We work with our state rep. We work with our senator. We work with the media. We work with the mayor's office. Uh, the governor was just here a month ago. Uh, it's putting out all of the things saying that uh, collectively we're working together. So when you look at this community and neighborhood, it is very well organized. And there are people in this community and neighborhood who care. And it is the church that kind of took the lead in all of that towards bringing everybody together so we won't work in just fragmented pieces, but a way that we can work all together so we won't be duplicating services. But also, too, how we can support um, each other's work. Um, and surprisingly, it's worked out very good. We don't agree on everything. We're kind of like the disciples. You know, we, we, we got our issues. Um, but at the same time, we've committed to working in the community and neighborhood. And that part is going very well. And we kind of didn't expect all of that other stuff to happen. We just knew we had to make a difference. And when we stood up, we saw so many other groups and organizations working in the community and neighborhood. And we started working with them. We work very well with um, uh, the Detroit Police Department, um, and we do a lot of things with them and the young people. They formed a coalition between young bl uh, black males in Detroit and our local police department, and, and that is going pretty good. They'll be here. The police will be here Sunday mm. uh, for church, and they will be here for the meeting afterwards. So. It's going pretty good. That, that sounds fantastic. I think I heard uh, a story. You tell a story about a prop uh, shotgun that you had, and when some folks broke into the into the uh, the church, uh, and how the the you know your relationship with the police, you know, you were able to call them up because of your relationships and so forth. Yeah. Um, yeah. Maybe maybe tell that story. I, th I thought that was a fun story. Yeah, they actually, they showed up immediately. It's kind of weird. Um, I actually live in the church. I, I, I quit my job. Um, the church needed a full-time priest. We didn't have a lot of money. So um, this is one of the things I was led to do. I literally moved into the church. There is an apartment in the church, so I'm not living in my office or something like that. There is an apartment on the inside. Um, so I decided to move into that. Been living here for many years. Church has never been broken into since I've been here. And I moved in here in 2008. Um, and this one particular time, sure enough, I just thought the alarm was going off and it was a false alarm and went to go downstairs. And at 2.30 in the morning, yeah, there were people downstairs and they were ransacking the main office. I go back upstairs, call the police directly. I didn't even dial 911. Uh, I called the police commander directly and she <laughs> literally answered the phone. And she said, why are you calling me? I said, somebody broke into the church, they're downstairs. And she literally said, don't go downstairs, stay quiet. I'm, I'm calling for the cars now. And within, it, it couldn't have been five minutes. And less than that, the police were here. And they literally stayed with me to about six o'clock in the morning 
uh, in conversation talking. And I'm like, I still need to go to bed, go home. I'll figure the rest of this out. Um, and they kind of made sure that I was okay. The news media came out the very next morning, um, reported the story. And of course the community rallied together to make sure that the church was okay. So, um, and I'm sure the word got out in the community and neighborhood, you don't mess with Church of the Messiah. <laughs> All the powers that be will gather together. But in the news story that I was talking to one of the reporters, I just kind of let them know, um, more, you, you got to be careful because I do believe in Jesus Christ, but breaking the church again, you might meet Smith and Wesson before <laughs> Jesus Christ. So um, let's get this right and don't break into the church. So so that was an interesting. But it, but it demonstrates the, the close relationships you've built uh, in yes. the community. Yeah. And with the police. Um, I just wonder if you tell us a, one or two stories of of people that have been, um, that have come through the church that, that have, that have really found, um, uh, a new lease on life. Uh, right. At the end of the day, we're doing all of this to, to transform people's lives. And I wonder if you just share a story or two, uh, on that front. Oh, wow. So let me try to do this quickly. Cause there's just so many, um, while I'm wearing this hat and it says kills a hate. And this is a closing line coming out of Church of the Messiah from a young man who came to the church uh, with a lot of anger issues. Um, his brother was murdered and literally died in his arms. His best friend was also murdered, came to the church with a lot of issues. Um, and I told him, I said, well, we're going to work through these issues. God is here for you. The church is here for you. Bad things happen in the world that we don't know, but we're going to be working on uh, helping to eradicate these issues. And what are your gifts and talent? And one of the things that he knew how to do was make clothes. So I said, well, let's do a clothing line. So he named it Kill the Hate to bring peace into the world. Let's work on um, uh, clothing through culture and through consciousness is what he decided to do. Started making his clothes uh, at Church of the Messiah, manufactured them here. We have a partnership um, with um, a bunch of business people in Detroit and we know the people who own the Fisher Building in Detroit is near downtown in an area called Midtown. Um, we met with them, got him a store inside that building rent-free for a couple of years so he can get his business started. And he has an excellent location, incredible store, but that helped him to transform his life. Uh, we also have, and I have some products here. This is Nikki's Ginger Tea. This is also a product that comes out of Church of the Messiah. Uh, Young mother came to the church, had this idea for a tea beverage company, uh, pitched the idea for us, had the idea and a recipe. We have a commercial kitchen, told her she can use the kitchen. Um, that was about 20 years ago. She's in all the Whole Foods in the state of Michigan, mm. um, and she's in 92 other stores in the state. So now her daughter is now the vice president. She was a little girl when her mama started, but she's now the vice president of the company. And um, they're going to be in the Whole Foods in Chicago. Um, this is another product. It's called Giovanni Seasoning. This young man is 20 years old and he's, uh, he's a chef and he started making his own seasoning. And so he's in um, 22 stores in Detroit and he is the number one seasoning on Amazon. I live nothing. He's only 20 years old. Another young man came to the church and said, Pastor Barry, I got an idea. Um, and then we, the greatest one I think that we have is a young man. His name is Dwight. Dwight is amazing. He is my son. I consider him to be my son. Dwight came in 16 years old, 10 years ago. He's 26 now. Um, 
and he was on probation and he had to come here to do community service and they were kicking him out of school for uh, the things he was doing. He was stealing cars. And when he came to the church, um, I was literally planning a funeral. And when he came, I greeted him at the door, told him to sit down. I'll be back in a few minutes, went into the next room to finish planning the funeral, forgot he was there. Stayed in the room for an hour, came back out. I was shocked he was still there. And while he was outside, he wrote on a pad this beautiful design. And I said, if you can make designs like this, why are you still in cars? And he said, where is this going to get me? I said, let's, let's work on your design. Don't work on that. Let's work on your design. And from that, he uh, started his own production company called I Am Production. He worked uh, for PBS. Uh, he wound up becoming a model the day he got baptized at church because somebody in the audience was a fashion designer and saw him walk up the aisle to get baptized in the pool of water. Uh, and the next thing you know, he uh, modeled for Fashion Week, got an agent, started doing modeling, started doing his production company, all of this from coming to church. So, and of course, he goes back as the car thief and everybody's like, how are you having all of these experiences? And he was like, church. So every car thief started coming to church and they started bringing their thoughts and ideas of what it is that they wanted to do with their lives. And that's one of the major ways that the church showed up in the lives of a whole lot of young people. But it's those human stories where you come in and the church taking interest in you as a person, which is also validating your creativity and spirituality. Yeah, that, that's amazing. But Dave, I want to turn to you on this. I bet there's a lot of people who might be listening to this, uh, pastors, uh, you know, church leaders who think, goodness gracious, well, A, what uh, it sounds like Church of Messiah is a, is a business incubator, uh, not, a not, not a church, they might say, right? So Dave, what do you say to that? I'd say you're wrong. Um, I'd say that, you know, these are stories of transformation. These are stories of healing. I mean, that's that's what Jesus did. I mean, so I, it, yeah, it's it's hard to argue with these personal stories of um, uh, of of that healing, and it's a part and parcel with the work of the church. I'm sure Barry, you know, um, he hasn't shared everything that he's done with these folks, but I mean, I'm sure there's been spiritual transformation there's been healing on the inside in terms of their hearts um so this is a whole package and this is what really drew me to to uh the work of the church of messiah is that holistic view pastor barry yeah what do you what about the uh, you know the holistic parts of this for for people who who might be going man it's amazing that you're helping them get the businesses but like what about the church part where's the church part yeah the thing about it is it's all church that that's the part that everybody don't get uh, God is interested in every part of your life. And sometimes we're so busy trying to make sure that people come through the front door. Sometimes people come through the back door because you got to understand when you're coming to church, you have to come to church to pay your rent, come to church, to get the internet, come to church to get a job, come to church to start a business, come to church to see a doctor or an, or an attorney. You're coming in and you're wondering, where's all of this coming from? There's a curiosity. This place is a little bit different. It's bustling, it's always going, all these different things that's going on. So they get curious and they come on Sunday. They want to know where's the root of all of this. And then when you come on Sunday, you will find this incredible, incredible opportunity to be with so many people who have transformed their lives 
through the creativity and the love of God, finding their purpose. You know, a lot of times people say, well, if God is good, where is he? And we constantly keep saying he's in you. Well, who's going to do something about social unrest? You. Who's going to do something about criminal justice? You. Who's going to do all of this? It's on the inside of us. Then we teach our people, we have the audacity to believe that a virgin had a baby. If a virgin had a baby, we can do something about gun violence. We can do something about poverty. We can do something about all of these different things from the church's point of view. So you got to understand that when we teach them, whether it's business or all these other things, there's such a thing as righteous economics. There's righteous housing. There's righteous land development. There is so many things that you can do from a righteous standpoint. It's not business as usual. It's business in terms of the Bible. And we use that to be able to teach you how you're going to do it and you're going to do it different. And it's going to be about justice. So all of this is all about justice. And the same way so many times people uh, follow Jesus because he healed them. See, our people also need to be healed. We want to give them church without the ability of changing their lives. So sometimes we do it a little bit backwards. Sometimes you got to change their lives and they stop and they say, hey, tell me about this Jesus. We've had more Bible studies in the hallway, in the community garden, in the parking lot, in all these different places because the curiosity of where does all of this stem from? So yeah, yeah. I hope that answers the question. Yeah, no, uh, thank you. Um, hey, Josh, can we can we talk about justice? Let's talk about justice. I love it. Um, I think that's a great entry point because um, so community economic development is about justice. And I think that's where I would distinguish it from traditional economic development and, you know, what Barry called like business as usual. Um, community economic development is about those who are falling through the cracks of the current system. And we can do something about it. I mean, we've heard, you know, already, you know, four or five stories um, from Pastor Barry, but community economic development is something that churches can leverage as a way to directly address inequality in their communities. Um, it rejects the lie that a rising tide lifts all boats. I mean, you know, kind of that's the traditional way of thinking about um, economic development is, well, let's make it better for everybody. And, you know, then the poor will eventually benefit. And we've seen, you know, the past 40 years that that just does not does not translate to reality. Um, so I think that's where justice comes in. And, you know, the church is being called to participate in economic justice because God loves people in these communities. And he cares about those who are falling through the current economic cracks. And there's a whole set of tools and strategies that are available, you know, that have been leveraged from secular nonprofits to religious nonprofits over the past 40, 50 years that um, a lot of churches are not aware of. Hmm. Well, let's let's stick on that for a second. Um, so I'd like, for Dave, first, I'd like you to answer this question. Then Pastor Barry, I'd love to know your thoughts on this. Um, Dave, as you think about maybe a predominantly white suburban church who reads your book, listens to this, and says, okay, we're, we're all in. We want to do this. But their listening to the community is, you know, probably in a maybe more affluent, maybe more predominantly white context, where then maybe the needs of the community are different than the ones that say Pastor Barry's talking about. 
um, what, what would you counsel them? How, how would you, how would you guide them, um, as they start out? First thing, um, suburban poverty is real. Um, there's actually more people in poverty that live in the suburbs than live in city neighborhoods. Um, that transition happened back in the 2000s. Um, so I'd, I'd say that they're, if they look closely enough and if they have ears and eyes to see, um, they'll see people that are falling through the cracks, even in their supposedly affluent suburban environments. So that's one thing. Um, the other thing is, I think there's a temptation for, especially large, you know, successful churches that are well managed, you know, kind of the CEO um, type of pastor, to want to take the bull by the horns and like, okay, we're gonna we're gonna fix this problem. I'd say step back from that and become a learner and a listener. Um, so I address this specifically in the book. You know, if you are in one of these kind of churches and you're in an affluent community, don't don't start implementing the things in the book. At you know um, from day one, actually, what you'd be better off doing is listening to your community, um, potentially going down to an a, a, a urban neighborhood and um, finding a partner like uh, Pastor Barry's church. Um, and I, I call it um, going in and being really more of a junior partner. So not coming in like you're the Cal Calvary and, you know, that you're going to save the day, but going in as a junior partner and saying, how can we serve and, and not having the answers. I think that's the hardest part for, you know, um, kind of type A driven pastors. They want to have the answers and they want to give the answers. I'd say you're not in a position to do that if you have not been in these communities for you know 30, 40 years like Pastor Barry has. Yeah, Pastor Barry, I'd love to hear your thoughts on on whether whatever whether it's a whether it's another uh, church that sort of fits the community that you serve or or a different kind of community. What what would be your advice to to a church that's just who's gotten the imagination for this but wants to figure out like what are the first steps to do it? Well, one of the things that I can honestly and truly say that you really just have to do it. You, you, you just have to do it. You just have to go about it and not necessarily worry about things going totally to plan. It's almost like every time we put a plan out, nothing ever went according to plan because the circumstances that we deal with are so abnormal. You have to remember, murder is abnormal. Absenteeism of fathers and uh, a community that may have drugs and all this other these these things are abnormal. They were never meant to be. So when you go in, you can have every plan in place from a logical perspective, but you're going to be dealing with things that are illogical. So you got to go in there totally with spirit and understanding that it's going to take an act of God and it's going to take an act of God's people who are going in with an intention because you can go in with every particular type of plan you want to and you will find out these circumstances are so different. So um, don't worry about if things don't go according to plan. Sometimes you just go in to make a difference. Like one of the things that we do every year, we do this thing um, called our Silence the Violence Parade. And we started that back in 2008 when I, um, I buried four children in one year. And that hit me to the core because I'm like, I didn't become a priest to bury children. What? I can't believe I'm burying 
children. And it's because of gun violence. This is so abnormal. So one of the things that we did to promote healing, we got the community together. We're going to talk about these issues, but we're going to be working on them and we're going to do some things and we're going to create a crime and safety group. Well, we did that for our community. And then we had a day where we were just celebrating the community to build it up so that we won't have so much violence and crime in it. And we really, it works because our neighborhood itself don't have much crime and violence. And the police noted, yeah, you guys are doing something different, but it was totally from a biblical perspective. We did that for our neighborhood. Within three years, it became a city event. I never planned on the entire city with the mayor and city council and CNN and the New York Times. And I didn't expect it to turn into that. But the effectiveness of saying we're going to do something, we're not going to just sit here. Let us work on the things that we know that we know how to. We're not going to have a preconceived notion of what this is going to turn out to be. We're just not going to sit back and allow these things to be in our community and neighborhood. And I think one of the things that um, I've learned and the people here have learned, yes, we plan things out, but a lot of times it's going to take on a life of its own because when you serve God, that is a total different type of experience that you would never know that you'd be doing. Because here I am, a black man from the east side of Detroit who did not even know what an Episcopal priest was, didn't know anything about the Episcopal church and God in his excellent sense of humor, this is what it is I'm doing and I never planned on doing this. So this was not the destiny I had for my life, but God had something different. And my thing is just get ready, go for the ride, but, but don't get caught up on how you're going about, step out and go. And just like Jesus did with his disciples, he said, follow me. He didn't sit down and talk to them and say, this is what we're going to do. This is step by step. This is what we're going to encounter. This is how you lead your family, this, that, and the other. That's why it's called faith. Step out on faith. Trust God that he is going to be able to allow it to be what it is going to be. The thing is, you're going to do something and step out on that. We have our plan. But we know that uh, God has a wonderful sense of humor, and it might be something altogether different by the time we get finished. Well, it reminds me of the, the famous uh, Mike Tyson quote that everybody has a plan until they get hit in the mouth. <laughs> wow. Yes. Wow. Look, look Pastor Barry, as I listen to you and as I've read through Dave's book, um, I mean, it's you've had so many successes, uh, so many transformational stories that are inspiring. Um but I think anybody who really reads between the lines knows that those were hard won. Those weren't always easy things. And so I wonder if you would just share a little bit, um, both by way of realism and by encouragement, that this can be hard work and that there are hard lessons and a lot, sometimes a lot of pain. I wonder if you would just share that part of this. Wow. No, you're absolutely right. And that is um, folks see the success and they don't see the tears. They don't see the pain. They don't see the frustration. This was by no means easy. And it still is not easy. It is still hard. There's so many days I still get up and I think to myself, I can't do this. But that's how I know there is a God because of the fact that he was like, no, you can do this and give me the courage and the strength. And then I look at the faces of all of the people in this church who are also working, whose lives were transformed, that it make you want to go even further and to do even more. But I got so frustrated in the very beginning of trying to be able to do this because here I am, I'm full of energy and I am full of zeal. And sometimes you can be in a congregation where people have 
been there all their lives and they have worked, they've done different things and they're kind of tired. And sometimes when you got somebody who is just the energizer bunny telling you this, what it is we need to be doing, they want to just tell you to go somewhere and sit out. And it's one of those things that's frustrating when you understand that there are people who have been in it for a long time, who may be tired, who may not know exactly how it's going to go. I got so frustrated here. I left. I left for three months and I said, I can't do this. And I remember going, uh, praying to God and I said, Lord, I can't do this. And the people uh, that was here with me, I pushed them too hard. I was pushing them. And it was like, no, Barry, we don't want to be pushed like that. So I had to learn to pull back, sometimes be quiet. Sometimes celebrate small little victories. And we've had a lot of failures in between this. There's a lot of things that we started that did not work at all. As a matter of fact, for probably everything that was a success, we probably had eight or nine things that were not successful. So those successes were hard earned and it was over many years. I've been the priest of this church for 19 years. It didn't happen back when I got ordained in 2002. This is a process over 19 years uh, where this is happening and a lot of people coming through and uh, some people who were burned out, some people who left, some people who died. It, it's been a hard fight, uh, fought journey. But um, yeah, I would say we probably had many more failures than successes. You hear the successes, you don't hear the failures. That's right. That's right. Thank you. I think that that's super helpful, I think, for people to hear and to know um, that you can, that if you're faithful and you keep at it, you probably will fail a lot. But oh, you will. But if you're faithful you and you keep at it, uh, also transformational things can happen. Yeah. You fail forward. Fail forward. You fail, but it keeps moving you forward. The failures keep showing you, don't do that. But you still got to do something. Got to keep going. Just don't do that. And we have to do something because the people out there, their reflection of God, a lot of times is the church. So they're looking to the church because they believe that's the place to go to, whereas you can get the help. And there's going to be people who are going to help you and point you in the right direction. And a lot of times that's something that when uh, people come in and they're struggling, you know, it's hard to tell the church is struggling, too. Um, we may not be here. You coming in with struggles and you can't pay your bills and you're dealing with all these things. We can't pay our bills either. That's also part of the struggle. And you go and you grow together. But that's why I believe Jesus always sent them out two by two, because one is going to get tired and say, I can't do this. And that other one has the courage to be able to say, yeah, we can and keep going. And it's strong while the other one is not. So I'd like to, to piggyback off of what Pastor Barry just talked about, um, you know, the, the long term aspects of this and, the you know, one step forward, two steps back or two steps forward, one step back. Um, in order to maintain your commitment to this, you're going to have to have this initiative be rooted in who you are as a church community. Um, so it gets back to, you know, is it part of your mission? Is it part of your um, core being as a Christian to care about economic justice, to care about all these things we've been talking about? If it's just another program, if it's like a, if it's extra credit, I think that, you know, after you have a couple of uh, failures, you're probably going to lose support for it. So, yes. um, 
you know, I talk about this as one of the first steps for churches is to check your mission, check your vision, get back to, you know, what it is, what's it rooted in. Can you explain to somebody why having a business incubator is vital to being a faithful presence in your community? Can you explain to them why having a workforce development program is a part of your church because it's vital and central to your mission? If you can't, then you've got work to do before you even step step forward in this place. And also too, Dave, you, you made me think of something too that I uh, mentioned to a, a group of pastors because in Detroit, I work with uh, 103 other congregations um, in the city of Detroit because they're watching what it is we're doing and we're kind of helping them with that. But one of the things that um, I remember saying to them and they kept saying, oh, wow, how did you get so many young people to come to church? And I kept telling them they don't reject God. It's, a, it's sometimes a problem with church and it's our approach. The message is the same. Sometimes they don't understand the method through which we do it. And I told him, I said, you can be on a vacant lot in Detroit with a Bible preaching to that neighborhood and the community, and they'll just look at you as background noise. But if they see a row of houses go up in that community and neighborhood saying put up by First Baptist Church of Detroit, they look a little bit different. That also says a message that will make them go to First Baptist Church and say, hmm, what made you build these houses? So sometimes People can't hear you if they're just struggling and trying to make ends meet and got so many issues. You have to find a way to be able to get them to be able to hear the message. And when we help the kids get back in school, get a job, this, that, the other, that's when they came and said, so tell me about what is it to be baptized? Tell me more about the sermon when it was talking about Jesus was doing the Sermon on the Mount. Tell me more about what confirmation is. Tell me how to join the church. Tell now we got their attention before they could not hear us. But it is doing, doing the work of what the Bible says allows them to stop and say, tell me more about the work and this person named Jesus and this, uh, this, this God. Now they can hear you. And there's them now coming to you. You're not going to them. They're not coming to you asking the questions. And I think uh, when I mentioned that to the uh, ministers, when those young people started coming in, they were coming in because they had a need. It's almost like blind Bartimaeus had a need. The woman with the issue of blood had a need. The Canaanite woman with her daughter had a need. Jesus fulfilled the need. So it's easier to follow somebody because you know why they feel the need. So just want to put that out there, if that's helpful at all. Oh, fan yeah, no, it's fantastic. Uh, and I think really helpful to hear. Um, okay, so here's, we're going we'll, we're gonna to play a little game here. Uh, and that is, I'm going to say, uh, uh, I'm going to say a name of a kind of person in your, in a community. And I want to know what you would say to them, uh, about being the kind of agent of, of Shalom or thriving that you, you embody. All right. You ready? Other pastors. And, and we can go, we'll start with pastor Barry and then go to Dave. So what would you say to other pastors? Uh, peace. <laughs> Bringing about peace. People want, they, they want peace in their communities, peace in their neighborhoods, peace in their house, peace in their families. There's so much that we want. People want to be at peace. And Jesus said he can give you that peace that surpasses all understanding. To get that type of peace takes work, but it means you also have to give up what is not providing you peace. So it's the things of the thing that I would say 
peace. Obviously, more people want peace more than anything else that I would say. Well, I, I, I think Pastor Barry is more equipped to say it, but I'll, I'll say, you know, when I would speak to a pastor, I'd say, well, what happens after, sun, after your Sunday service? Um, how can you tie Sunday to Monday? And, you know, what happens from Monday to Saturday? Um, to me, that's where this stuff comes up. It's like most of our life is lived outside of that hour and a half, two hour church service. Um, you gotta have you gotta have something to say to that, you know, ninety percent of the week right there. Hmm. Okay, then let's talk about the ninety percent of the week. You're you're. Let's talk about the businessman or businesswoman in your community. What do you say to them, Dave? Why don't you go first? Um, yeah, I would say you know you've got skills and passions and experiences that God has given you. I mean, I'm one of those, you know, God's given me experience in, in private sector and the high tech industry. Um, that at one point I was like, why did I have all that experience? It's like, is that, was that wasted? No, it was not wasted. So you've got experience that God can use that God wants to use. And the kind of things we've been talking about here are that entry weight for you to be able to put in, you know, into practice your accounting skills, your legal skills, yes. your your woodworking skills, yes. your, your management skills, whatever it is. Pastor Barry, what what would you say to the business person? Oh well, I say the same thing that uh, Dave said because a lot of times what we have to tell people, five um, percent of what we do is the church service on Sunday. Ninety-five percent of what we do is the community stuff. And what I mean by that, it is that community stuff that bring people into the 5%. And a lot of times we concentrate so much on the 5% that we forget about the work. And I always tell people so many times, Jesus spent a lot of his time, the highways and byways and on the outer part. And it is that outer part that we need to work on because that's where the people are hurting. To the business people, I would say the exact same thing. We tell people here to tithe your talent. You also have to tithe your talent. So you have to give that too. So for all of these um, young people who are coming in, to the people in the church who are the accountants and the business people who know how to do that, you're helping them. So they're helping them with their business. Every Sunday after church at one o'clock, church is 12 to one. And then at one o'clock, we have uh, uh, the group of young entrepreneurs who kind of meet together, but their mentors are the, are the older people who actually know about all of those things, who can actually help them put their business in order. So yeah, they're they're giving back to them. And it's also something that winds up being uh, intergenerational. But yes, yeah, that gift and that talent that God has given you, and you need to pay that forward, and you need to tie that back to help the church and the people that's in the church. That's great. What would you say, one, I will do one more category. What would you say to the person who doesn't think they have anything to contribute? Everybody comes with something. Everybody has gifts, talents, something. There's people who believe that um, there's nothing that they can contribute. You have something that you can contribute. And if you stop and think about all of the things that you may be good at, or if you stop and you think, um, how does God go about qualifying people? And we always use the statement here, God does not call the qualified. He qualifies the people he called. So by you being a member of this church, coming into the body of Christ, learning about church, you're coming with something 
and you are qualified by Almighty God, not qualified by the leaders of the church, not qualified by your mothers and your mother, father, or brothers and sisters, or by the community at large. You're qualified by Almighty God. There is something, there's a reason why you came. You are uh, endowed with something. And let us help to bring that out. There is something that you can give. Because that's what we do at the church a lot. Because a lot of people come and say, well, I have absolutely positively nothing. And after we have a couple conversations or we put them in a group that's moving, where people are making a difference and making things happen in the community and neighborhood and in the church, boy, they find out that they can help. They can make the phone calls. They can make the flyers. They can do all of those things. They can be worship leaders. They can be an usher. There's so many things they find out that they can do. And then that same person will stop and figure out, hey, I got 10 different talents that I didn't know I had. Yeah, you just need to be given the opportunity to bring those talents out. That's what the church can do. Give them opportunity to bring it up. Dave, what would you add to that? I don't know if I add much other than, you know, Jesus uh, told Peter, you know, you can become a fish, a fisher of men. You know, Peter had a terrible resume for a church planter. You know, he was, <laughs> he was a fisherman, right? Um, but God took his heart. And I think that's where this is. You know, if you, if you have a heart for justice and a heart for people, you will be used by God. You know, whether it's through, you know, connecting with someone like Pastor Barry, you can bring those out or um, some other way. Um, I'd say it starts with that commitment to justice and commitment of, to the love of people. And then, you know, Jesus took that in Peter and turned him into, you know, the founder of the of the church. Well, that's a good word. All right. We're two more two more sections here. We'll go be fairly quick. Pastor Barry, let's start with you. Um, you know. Imagine, you know, you've heard of an elevator pitch before. Yes. We're getting on an elevator and you've got what I, I, in 30 seconds or so. Tell our viewers the most the thing that is most burning in you that you want to communicate to people based on the call God's given you. Like in this moment, what do you want to what do you most want to say to people? I would honestly truly say to people that. You are more powerful than you could ever have imagined. God has taken so many people who are not qualified and used them to be able to do great things. We got to remember that uh, Moses was a murderer, but God made him a deliverer. Noah had an alcohol problem, but God used him to build the ark. David was an adulterer, but God made him a king. So many different things. We can always look at our shortcomings, but God sees your potential and he sees who you are in spite of what your circumstances are. Just get in contact with him. Put your trust and your faith in him and you will find out that you are greater than what it is you ever imagined. And I always tell people too, in order for a baby to be born, that that is a, an, an incredible miracle, but it starts off with this egg and this little bitty sperm and uh, it is the most incredible thing and you gotta stop and think, that became you. This incredible small little thing turned into this incredible human being. And I always say doctors shouldn't say it's a boy or a girl. They should say, and the winner is, because the winner, you're coming in a winner just to be born. So it's the same the winner is, that same process that it took for you to be born to whereas that miracle life took place, you are that walking miracle, stand in the possibilities of who God created you to be, because in order for you to be born, um, that's a miracle by itself. So. 
That's the possibility if you knew how powerful you are. And I would say too, the only fear that I ever have, and I tell people this, the only thing I'm afraid of is to stand before God and say, Lord, here I am. And for him to say, Barry, what you did in the world is nice. Let me show you what you could have done if you would have had more faith than fear. That's what I'm scared of. So I want to use all the faith in the stuff that I have right now because I don't want him to say that to me on the other side. Wow. Dave? That was a long elevator ride. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Anyways, what I would say is um, God loves justice. God loves people. And the, the, the body of Christ here on earth has everything it needs, all the skills, all the passions to, to work on this stuff, to, to, to be close to God's heart in, a, in his love for justice. And I would say specifically here about economic justice. We've got the people, we've got the talents, we've got the money. It's all part of God's body of Christ, body of Christ here on earth. That's what I would say. And it's like, let's, let's, let's follow that. Let's pursue that. Who specifically is, is it their job to do that? Who would you call out? Well, I, I'd say, I mean, certainly it starts with pastors, you know, and, and what we're preaching and teaching every, you know, every week and, and a theology of work, a theology of economics showing how this stuff is all part of the good news. I'd say, I'd say that's, that's a big part of it that maybe is not, being addressed as, as well as it should be in today's uh, particularly evangelical church. Great. Last couple questions. Uh, Pastor Barry, we'll start with you. And this is just for us to get to know you a little, a little better as a person. When you're not doing this work and you're, and you're doing something for fun, what are you doing? Although this is the end of the season, working in the yard, I'm a farmer. I can grow anything but hair. So you see a lot of plants and everything be behind you. I'm, I'm, I'm into horticulture, into growing things, Mo- mostly farming and food, organic farming. Um, that brings me life. That brings me peace. That nurtures my soul. Those are the things that make me happy. Um, so um, in the, on one of the churches, lots, I got a whole farm. I work out with people in the community neighborhood with that. Uh, that's also part of who I am. I love doing that. That brings me peace. So so that makes you happy. What makes you laugh? Amen to that. All right. If you uh, were to be able to have a meal, share a meal with one person, one inspiring person from the past or the present, doesn't matter. Who would you, who would you want to share that meal with? It's a few people, but I would have, I'd have to say 
Peter, from the Peter, from the Bible. I, I, I would love to know Peter because I'm a lot like Peter. Um, Peter and I are a lot alike. I want to know what it was to be able to walk with Jesus. I want to know what it was for him to be able to uh, become the person who he was from the point of view of being able to walk with Jesus to the point of being able to be the Peter who created the church because he did not start off that way. And I think a lot of times that's how we start off. My thing was just coming to this church, being a regular person, never planning on being a priest, never planning on being a community leader, never planning on doing any of this. It is the thing of he had a walk with God, that with Jesus, that was direct. Mine was a little bit more indirect, but we walk in that same path. Because all I can think of, if Peter can do it, any of us could do it, I would love to be able to talk to, 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 to Peter. I would love to do that. All right. I here's an important question that our viewers will want to know. What, what are you listening to right now in terms of music? Oh, wow. Okay. So this is just a little bit, um, weird, but, um, um, but, uh, Keiko Matsui, is that her name? The, um, um, do classical music is what I listen to all the time. But, but, but yeah, but, but there's a particular artist right now. I cannot think of her name, but right now I'm kind of really listening to her music, but, but classical music is my thing. It play in my house all day long. And uh, because I'm on this Zoom, it would be playing right now in my office. It would be playing right now. Well, w w when you remember, you'll e email me and we'll put it in the, in the, sh the show notes. Oh, yes. 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 Fantastic. Uh, last thing, in six words or less, you ready for this? What would your epitaph read on your on your um, tombstone? I would say, showed up, showed up, left. Showed up, showed up, left. All right, Dave. Dave, your turn now. I've had to. Okay, you're gonna have to remind me of all the questions. Actually, I'll tell you who I want to have dinner with. I want to have dinner with Barry. You know what? Me, I'll join you. Me too. All right, that's who I want to have dinner with. We're, we're going to come to Detroit and have dinner with you, Barry. Great. I'm a good cook, too. All right. With your with your with the things you grew in your garden, I hope. Absolutely. Yep. All right, Dave, what's your favorite hobby or pastime? What, what would you be doing when you're not uh, doing your, your day job? I like to do woodworking, so I've been doing more things. I'm actually using a desk that I made for my wife right now. Um, that's what my computer's standing on. So um, I've been learning some woodworking skills and joined a makerspace here in Phoenix, which is pretty cool. It's a really cool community resource and something that churches that can actually get involved in as well. Um, so yeah, woodworking is something. Um, I also like to play guitar, although I'm I'm woefully behind in terms of practicing and need to pick my guitar back up. What makes you laugh, Dave? Yeah, I don't. I thought about that. I think the kind of humor that I like is kind of self-deprecating. People who don't take themselves too seriously. I think. I think we take ourselves, myself included, way too seriously. So I like to see people who make fun of themselves and kind of do it in good taste. What are you listening to right now? What's on What's on your playlist? I, you know, it's so funny. Even though I'm a musician, I don't listen to a lot of music. Um, but someone who comes to mind is a awesome guitarist, uh, Tommy Emmanuel. He plays, uh, if you look up some of his um, uh, YouTube videos, his guitar looks like it's been beaten up just because he just, 
he uh, touches it in so many weird ways and does such funky things with it. Another is Trace Bundy. Um, I would say YouTube him, Trace Bundy, B-U-N-D-Y. He does some amazing things with the guitar that you will not believe. Mm, fantastic. All right, last question. In six words, what would your epitaph read? I don't know if it's six words or less, but I, I wrote my epitaph um, as part of an exercise about 10 years ago. Let me see if I get it right. Loved God and loved others with all he had. So that's more than six, but anyways, that's, that's what I wrote. You can break the rule because you're you're in that point, you're dead. So you can break whatever rules you want. <laughs> hey, gentlemen, thank you so much. Pastor Barry, it's been such a delight to get to know you and, and hear your stories. Dave, so appreciate uh, any time I get to spend with you. And thanks so much for, for uh, hooking us up with Pastor Barry. I really appreciate your time. Uh, I pray for both of your ministries and both the things you're doing that God's got your, your hands on. Awesome. Thank you so much for, for the opportunity. Thanks, Barry, for joining us. Thanks, Dave. I appreciate this. Loved it. All right. Be well to both of you. 